God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. So, um, still dealing with uh, stage fright. Are you? Because, you know, <laughs> being a preacher for about 30 plus years, but still never get over it. And I think it's normal. Keeps us grounded, right? And realistic. Uh, sometimes it can be a little too much, and others, it's, uh, but um, I'll be fine, I, I hope. I think, with folks like you, wonderful faces, generous faces and smiles, uh, surely I should be okay. Just want to reiterate, reiterate, oh, I want to greet you in my language. Um, so if I say mueni, mueni, then you say, you respond, I'm not forcing you to do it, but you say mua no. That's not too hard, right? Mua. Uh, Mua, muno, muno is much, and I, I'm not. I can't tell you what mua is, is but it's our greeting. Uh, that's all I know. So if I say mueni, then you say mua muno, mueni, mueni, yeah, and um, that's my Meru Tiania language from the Mount Kenya East Mount Kenya slopes of Mount Kenya region. And I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that I'm here, uh, being the speaker of the day. And may I reiterate my uh, gratitude to Pastor Dan and Pastor Rebecca and their wonderful sons, Andre and Veo. Uh, I don't want to take this friendship for granted at all, at all. I know as preachers, we run the risk of uh, that sense of entitlement, you know, where people need to, uh, people have to welcome you because you are this anointed man of God and so they can't help but have you over. No, uh, I know it's, it's really takes, it's a miracle. So thank you, thank you so much. Uh, and, and for you and for this wonderful church, thank you so much. And um, it, it's been a long way uh, since I came to Fuller Seminary, 20, uh, 2015, March. And we shared a class. I had, uh, took a class with uh, Pastor Rebecca and then went on and on and connected with their families. And we, I've lost count of the many number of times we have shared meals together. And um, what a blessing. It's one of those meaningful um, relationships from the past, over the past seven, seven uh, years that are, for which I'm very grateful. So... The sermon is about openness, right? I know the theme is being open, so the big, big word is open, right? Being so open, openness, being open, let's be open. I'm open, right? Like, send me, Lord, send me. I'm open for anything. Like, uh, maybe you've said, oh, yeah, sure, I'm open. Do you have friends or family that folks tend, that tend to be open for anything? They are just there, like, they are open. I'm open. Oh, where do you want us to go for dinner? Oh, it doesn't matter to me, I'm open. Um, which, in a planning service, maybe for planning for the uh, service, like, what do you want us to, like, which songs are you, do you want us to do on Sunday? Oh, no, it doesn't matter to me, I'm open. Um, where do you want us to go for some fun, like which beach? Like Alamoana, is Alamoana a beach? I'm still figuring out. Or Waikiki, and... Um, no, it doesn't matter to me, we can go to any beach, like, just pick any. We, really, like, you are open, like open. So is that, is that what we are, is that the kind of openness 
we are talking about? No. No. So I want to invite us to talk about an openness. Actually, so I, I've titled my sermon tentatively, Cultivating a Fruitful uh, Openness. If I were to give it an, op- an, uh, an alternative um, title, it would have been Bordered, like Bordered, like oh, bordered Openness. Openness with boundaries. Not just any openness. So the sort of openness that I want us to reflect upon is one that is geared towards fruitfulness, that is geared towards um, at the loss of the end, whose chief goal is, um, is, uh, is, uh, is, uh, is a benefit for most, for more people than just, just some narrow, uh, narrow feel good or, or, or availability. And so let's begin with uh, reading the uh, foundational text. And I'll read from what we have here. I'm not sure which version, but um, then Jesus, and it's Matthew chapter 13, uh, Matthew chapter 3, I'm sorry, uh, 13 to 17, NIV. I just saw it, NIV. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And to you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, Heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Is it a different version, e, uh, English Standard Version? And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. I think the other verses are there, but we, we know what they are about. Shall we pray briefly? Um, gracious God, we are here, and we are open, but we want to be open in a responsible way. So help us as we reflect briefly on what lessons we could learn from Jesus' openness to being baptized by John and even John's readiness to baptize Jesus with our goal to fulfilling all righteousness. So help us today. Help this church. Help us as individuals and as a community to be open, but not just to be open, but towards fruitfulness, but to also attend to an openness with boundaries that is not just there, that is not reckless. Bless us and guide us, and in your name we pray, amen. So, um, 
I just want to, I know I already introduced my sermon, um, but I just want to say that uh, simply being open is not enough. This is my contention. This is my, this is my opening um, proposition. Fruitful, fruitful openness ought to be our chief goal, the telos. Telos. And Jesus models a most enviable caliber of openness, which I like to call a triangular model, and I will explain as we continue. Heaven's openness to us is predicated upon the extent of our openness to heaven or to its um, manifold blessings. Discernment, diligence, and discipline are key. And there, ladies and gentlemen, is the summary of my message. Why does it matter? Why do we even need to think about being open? Again, friends, I can't, I can't say enough why, how, how grateful I am to be here preaching here. Um, I know for some of my fellow preachers, uh, they can't wait for a break from preaching. Well, for me, it's always a privilege to stand and preach because it rarely happens since I'm into academics, um, trying to pursue a PhD, and right now trying to figure out how to begin writing a dissertation so it can be exhausting. And so to get such a break, it's so refreshing and for which I'm so forever grateful. So thank you. Which then means that I might be a little too excited. I might go a little too long. I might just, be like, you know, like a bit all that. And I'll try to restrain my hands because I said them when they offered me options about microphones. I was like, uh, do you want a microphone you can hold? Or the, just the ear pieces, um, which is a new experience for me. And I was like, just get something that will try to restrain my hands because I, I use them all the time. So I, uh, there are times I wish that I can chain them and all that. So a microphone gives me a good excuse to hold on to whatever. But so, that, so my dry spell from preaching might explain my excitement and my whatever. But we should, we, we'll be fine. We are open, aren't we? So why does it matter? What's the telos of our openness? The telos is, I think, Latin or something that we like to use in uh, um, ethics. The telos, telos is, just means the end goal, the overarching goal, the end result, what you want uh, working towards, the telos. From this text, the telos of openness and whatever we do is to accomplish all righteousness. Why did Jesus submit to be baptized by John? Why was John willing to baptize a person that he thought or he was he viewed as being more senior ministry-wise? It is so they could fulfill all righteousness. And so brothers and sisters, brethren, friends, whatever openness we are embracing, Whatever we want to do, any whatever sort of open that we want to embrace in our lives, I hope it will be geared towards ensuring that God's righteousness, that God's kingdom, that the divine presence 
will be enacted in our circles, in our families. It's not just simply to feel um, for self-righteousness or, or to feel like you are very obedient or that you are the better Christian than the other one. No. What, what, what life, what quality of life are our communities experiencing through our openness? Ought to be our question. Openness to whom? To whom? Because you can't just be open. Because I mean, like, Pastor Dan just warned us about um, the scams, right? So if you are here open because God has blessed you with money and resources, and you just you just want to be a blessing, you just want to be a blessing. Really, like, you got to be careful with whom you're being a blessing too, because you don't want to be wasting God's resources in the pretext of being open to the kingdom, to finance God's kingdom so that the gospel can spread. We need to be disciplined and discerning. I'll come to that later. So open to whom? And when even? And how? And right here, I would uh, propose that it takes uh, uh, there's some openness to self. It entails opening to openness to self, openness to the other, which is the community, and then openness to the divine presence or the divine word, heaven. In the case of John and Jesus and this text, text. I see, or I can identify what I see as a triangular model of openness. Jesus was open. He was open to move to the next phase of God's intention or mission for him in his life. The purpose for which he came down from heaven. The purpose for which he was incarnated, became Flesh, the word became flesh. He was open. Jesus was open. He knew about it. And it is this openness, I would say, and contend that is what prompted Jesus to walk from where? To, from Galilee, right? Yeah, from Galilee to Jordan. That openness, that self-awareness, that self-action, that self-prompting, is that openness to self, the awareness, Searching yourself and to know this what I, where I am at at this point. That openness to self. And then the openness to John. So triangular, right? Triangle, like how many corners? Like is it corners or what? Like or points of triangle, right? Three. So whether it's an isosceles or it's, um, I don't know, I forget the other types of triangles, but uh, just think of the three points. I'm self here, then there's John there, and then there's heaven opening, God. That's what I'm calling, envisioning as a triangular, triangular model of openness. So Jesus was open, he knew what needed to be done, and that moved him 
to go to take an action and go to Jordan. And then he met John and both of them were open. So it's a mutual openness. In that way, we avoid a situation where it's exploitative and manipulative, where you, you, need, you are the one that is the church member that needs to be open to the man of God, to the woman of God, so that the, the servants of God can do whatever they want with me, so that you're just being there, passively being acted upon as if you are an object. We've got to be careful. It is an active openness. It is a mutual openness where the discernment is mutual. So openness to the other, openness to community, openness in the context of community. And then, of course, the third aspect is openness to heaven. That's why I'm saying that it is your openness, our openness, the degree of our openness, the quality of our openness is what determines that heaven will be open and the voice will descend from heaven only only after our obedience has moved us to a place where we are well positioned to hear that voice from heaven or do you think if jesus just remained in galilee and john did not obey the court to go and baptize do you think the heavens would have opened? I'm, I'm just trying. We just, let's just imagine together. Do you think the heavens would have been opened without the right circumstances? I, and I don't, it's not like I'm trying to, I'm not trying to um, make God's blessing to be conditional or something we achieve through our works, right? Our efforts. Maybe because someone might push back and say, oh, are you now, um, are you, is it now a salvation of works? Are you trying to say we have to work? Uh, for our salvation. No. What I'm trying to point to is um, the importance of mutuality, the human, the human divine partnership. And God, is, God uses people, right? I mean, God uses humans. And I can tell you that as a person, this uh, humble boy from rural Kenya, some village in Kenya, coming to the U.S. at the age of 43, seven years ago, now you know my age, um, and then being here in the U.S. for all these years, trying to pursue an education with nothing to show for it other than faith. It has taken God, but God using, hum using human vessels. Even right now, right now, I would not be preaching here if it were not for human vessels that were willing to be used of God to connect. And that turns out to be Dan and his family. Human vessels, the triangular model. Me being open and then uh, um, the community and discerning in community and then folks being open to me and for me and then being, being um, ready to receive. And then heaven opens to bless and to command a blessing because where two or three are gathered, the Lord's presence will be there. And how whenever the uh, brethren live in unity, according as per Psalms 133, there God will command a blessing. Um, let me ground this a little bit in my story what this looks like to me. 
and I already mentioned a, a, a little bit of that. About a week ago, about a week ago, so I know I should be having so much fun in Hawaii, because when I was moving from the Bay Area, Berkeley, and I told my friends that I was going to Hawaii, they were one of my roommates, my African-American roommate was particularly, she said, I am so happy for you, but I'm so jealous of you. Then I said, you're going to hell because jealousy is a sin. Um, but I, I know where they are coming from, but still doesn't justify a sin, right? The sin is a sin. Maybe they are holy, there's holy jealousy. I don't think that's the version she had anyway. But, because I'm coming to near heaven, right? Where everyone, it's everyone's dream. So I should be having the time of my life and writing a dissertation uh, from the ocean, from the, by the ocean. Because where I come from, my village, um, rural Kenyan village, the biggest water mass was the village well that my father had dug uh, to sustain the villagers, my uh, fellow uh, brethren with water. So, um, so I don't know how to behave myself around um, an ocean. So it was supposed to be a blessing, right? Right, a decision by the ocean. Well, looking back to the last couple months or so, it's been a mixed bag of fortunes because I've enjoyed, but also the reality check that you are in the middle of nowhere. Um, and trying to look for a job, like, out, like just getting a job for 20 hours a week. That's all I need to legally. I just need a job for 20, just an engagement, something for 20 hours. Just get engaged for 20 hours. And I'm telling you, it's just so elusive and frustrating. So much so that, because I'm not so settled in that uh, area of my life, as a father of four, two of my daughters at the university, so there's the realities of, you know, worries and, and nervousness, like how about, like what's going to happen? Uh, what, uh, what if? So that now, of the seven chapters that I had proposed for my dissertation, and I intended to do a chapter a month, a chapter a month, right? So it's only a week remaining towards uh, the end of January, and I can't tell you that I've done anything very meaningful for the first chapter. Because I should be completing a chapter for January, right? No? Because I'm in Hawaii. Very peaceful, serene, by the ocean, writing a dissertation in peace. Well, it's yet to happen. <laughs> because of, there are other factors. And I remember waking up one day, I think early last week, or maybe end of a couple weeks ago, and just feeling this fear and depression, like just a nervousness, like, What's happening to me? Like, really? Is it the right place to be? Like, what am I doing? It's the middle of nowhere. Like, where's my community? Who, where's my village? Where's my family? Like, who knows me? Like, all that. With a heavy heart. And then, I'm talking about openness to self. And embracing the fuller. Like, all that, like, all the contours of whatever is happening without hiding from anything, including the pain. And I sat down, soak it, I just like took it all in. It wasn't a very good feeling, I can assure you, it wasn't. Because you were there, this excellent um, uh, writer, wonderful, you know, all that. Uh, and feeling depressed and all the fear and everything and doubts. For some crazy reason, I just thought to write down 
my giftings and talents. Now, this is a person who is sort of hemmed in. Like, it doesn't matter what, how you are gifted because no one is at the right job for you. Like, no one even knows about it. So you're just there. But for some reason, I don't know where I got that. I think it's just some openness or divine open. So I decided to enumerate or enlist or list my talents. And I call it the alphabetical, alphabetical self-assessment. And so for A, I said I'm an academic. I mean, it may not feel like that, but I said I'm an academic slash artist slash whatever else. Like B, I'm a barber, like I cut hair. That's what I am. C, communicator. Does it feel like I'm communicating anything? So, but anyway, that's what I said. And D, something else. And E, empathy, something else. And um, F, farmer. G, gardener. I said all this, man, everything, until Z. Z. I don't, I don't remember anything with Z or Y, but maybe I should dig deeper or be more attentive and more open. But anyway. So I filled out that with about that component of my life. And I can tell you that after I was done listing them up, I was totally different. I felt exuberant. I felt energized. I felt powerful. I felt positive. I felt optimistic. I felt hopeful. Just from writing, I was like, wow, wow. No, it doesn't. I don't have to have a job or all these offers from all these uh, things, like because I said I'm a writer or author or whatever, or massage therapist, because that's what I am. Are, are, there, are there massage therapists here? Give me a job because I'm a, a massage therapist trainee. I'm just saying. <laughs> or, um, or a cook or whatever. Just let's talk later. So, but these are, these are all things that I, 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 I said, I, I listed up. I'm talking about openness to yourself what you are and a self-assessment which includes your fears and limitations and everything but then an openness to yourself which includes the pains and the doubts and everything so that's um so that openness to myself and it's still unfolding as far as opening openness to uh, uh to receive from community or from community or from your friends or from whatever else um towards the end of the year I was chatting with one of my professors, an 82-year-old veteran theologian, Lutheran theologian. They are just so accomplished, like, prolific, all that and all that. And then back and forth. Then at some point, in a reply, response to my email, this professor, 82-year-old, white, um, accomplished uh, author, they said to me, Mboi, that's my family name, they said Mboi, you have such a magnificent command of the English language. Now, it may not come across in my speaking because you know accents and stuff. <laughs> He's more informed by reading my work. So this professor said, Mboi, from nowhere. I, I did not solicit for it, no. The professor said, you have such a magnificent um, command of the English language. If I were the U.S. president, I would hire you as my speech writer. So I just quoted him, Vavatim, a professor who didn't have any reason to flatter me. No, that was not even the, the, the subject matter. So that caught me off guard. I was like, what? What did he just say? And as I was serving as a, a library uh, archives assistant at my school in uh, Berkeley, 
The following day, I kept weeping and sobbing any time I went back and reread his uh, note, email, about my potential as a writer and even the possibility that I could even be the president's writer, uh, speech writer. So what, why did I cry? It is uh, trying to imagine the gap. What is the potential but, and the reality on the ground? That it, this potential speech writer to the president could actually sleep hungry and could be depressed because of joblessness and some other things. But still, the positive affirmation from community. Are you, are you open to receive from community? Do you have people that can speak to you? Do you have people that can bring you and, and, and uh, bring and restore you to a sense of uh, stability when you're feeling that you're losing it and you're full of self-doubt? Or maybe you have an uh, unrealistic assessment of your self-assessment and folks can ground you to say, no, uh, you just need to uh, be a little bit more realistic. That's what my professor did to open up the potential or to remind me. Sometimes we just need to be reminded. Sometimes we need people that lovingly remind us of what we are able to do or what we can do. And then, of course, heaven. Heaven opening. And I cannot tell you how many times I have heard voices, maybe from myself, but then I would say it's the Spirit's voice saying, you will be fine or walk in this way, or write this way. Even my writing, I'm hoping and I'm open to the spirits, the opening, even opening, where, so I can begin typing away my dissertation, the chapters. Because the spirit, when the spirit guides, there is no limitation to what you can do. Amen? Amen? And finally, so a holistic agenda. A holistic agenda. We need to have a, embrace a holistic agenda. What I call in my uh, dissertation and in my academic writing, uh, holistic liberation, holistic salvation. Not just being saved where your name is written in the book of life and you're ready to go to heaven to walk in the streets of gold, walk in the spirits, streets of gold, but you don't care about the streets down here. I mean, so you are the streets, the streets nearby your home, they are all littered with trash and they are thinking the streets are unsafe and dark and dingy and all that and smelly, but you're going to be responsible in heaven, walking in the streets street of gold? Like how? How are you going to figure out how to behave along the streets of gold if you cannot figure it out here? I'm talking about the environment. I'm talking about how we behave around here and how we take care of our surroundings. Our salvation ought to be all-encompassing, our holistic agenda, or openness. And um, in the church I affiliate with, and I'm almost, I'll be done soon now. In the church I affiliate with, somewhere in California, or have been affiliating with, they have a mantra. They have a mantra. All means all. Is that familiar, right? Like, everyone is welcome. No matter how you color, the color of your skin, no matter how you dress up, no matter your gender orientation, no matter your taste and preferences, you are welcome. 
So they always say, all means all. And then here I am sitting sometimes as a transplant from my village in uh, the slopes of Mount Kenya with all the alienation that it takes to try to drive around here. And I'm there thinking, really, are you sure that all means all? Because I don't feel like I'm included in that all. So all I'm trying to say is not to uh, make us feel guilty. I'm just saying, let's really, let's make it work so that all, really, really, really means all. So let's go to the portion with the dashes. How best do we leave out this openness? How best do we leave it out? I suggest five points or five strategies or the best some, uh, way of uh, ensuring that it is, it is working well, not just for us, but for everyone. First point, embrace an ongoing disposition of discernment so that no whom to op be open to, when to be open, and how best to be open. Discernment is key. So for me, I got to discern, like, what am I feeling? Recently, this week, this week, if I had money on my account, if I had money on my account, I would, I would have booked a ticket to be in Kenya in the next two weeks or so because I was feeling, I talked to one of my daughters and I was like, dang, I need to be back home. Like, what am I doing here? My daughter doesn't sound like she's doing very well until I talked to her a couple of days ago to, uh, at night and she assured me that she was doing great or she would be, be fine in her applied statistics with IT course that she's undertaking at the university. And that gave me an assurance that I don't need to book a ticket to go to Kenya. I am fine and we'll be fine. So discernment to know which moves that you're making and which some, some moves might be an attack. So discernment. Number two, endeavor um, to be consistent in diligence and discipline. Because it takes discipline, my friends. Remaining open and knowing which, which openness to whom and how best. It takes diligence. It takes awareness. It takes discipline. For me, to finish up my program, it's going to take quite some, some struggle. And, and determination that I'm going to stay the course no matter how tough it may sound. Then, very important, enlist the resources of communal solidarity. Nothing like a community. Nothing like the warmth. Having people that say you'll be fine. Sometimes I think what can be very challenging for a person like myself around here, sometimes it's like you are in your, on your own, like so you try to plug into Kenyan communities like up in Seattle where there are so many of them or elsewhere and then you just discover that what you're talking about, your vernacular has changed because it's about, you know, holistic liberation, um, drumbeat theology and, and, and everyone is just concerned about working, 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 moving from this job to the other one, like hard to mouth and all that. So, and it can be frustrating, the alienation can be very disorienting. So, but communal solidarity, communal solidarity, where folks, others, help you discern and stay strong, including family. And then espouse an empathetic approach to openness. 
empathetic approach to openness. Um, have you heard folks um, say that, and maybe, have you ever shared a need, a deep need with someone and they were able to help you and they were in a position to help you, but they just said, no, I don't feel led, or I need to seek the Lord if I need to intervene in this need, using spirituality as a cover-up for callousness. So let's not use our connection, our uh, discernment, our ability to walk in the spirit as a cover-up for our selfishness. To say, I don't feel led when you are in a position. If you have a massage therapy um, establishment or new something, just like hook me up. Don't, like, don't go and fast for three days for the Lord to reveal to you whether this African brother needs that job. I need it. I don't think the Lord is going to be saying no. I'm just saying the way we spiritualize. I know that's a little selfish, but it's just an example. Um. <laughs> Embrace a big tent or giant dream view of what matters. So all, again, in conclusion, all righteousness. All righteousness. Why are we doing it again? What's the telos? What's the intention? What, where, what are we moving towards? It is all righteousness not just some not just some aspect just feeling good about me just feeling good about uh, my daughters because i said i'm a four um are you familiar with the four square church that a pentecostal charismatic church that i've affiliated with so i'm pentecostal charismatic and i can preach i'm telling you if i started right now speaking in tongues you all of you will be soiling like this like let's like going down and all oh because i think it's contingent so you might even begin uh, you can might catch it of course, it takes forever, you know, for me to begin speaking and then for you to catch up, depending on the faith and your openness. But um, mostly, the underbelly or the challenging whatever of the prosperity gospel is the blessing, the bless me thing, mostly. It's about me, just the insistence on me going ahead, staying ahead of everyone else and God blessing me and then for the world to see and my enemies being killed and me remaining the only one standing because of God's blessing upon me. And so it's me and my wife and my two kids or three and then our big car and then we end up having people having seven cars and bless you with all your cars. I'm not even against it. I'm not even jealous. No. But I'm like, really? Like, so you have all the, and you're importing another one from Japan next week? And your latest one is two months old? Like, really? Like, you need all that in the name of blessings, in the name of the Lord extending your boundaries because of your giving and because of how faithful you have in ministry, you have been in ministry. Really? Like, let's think about the big dream. Let's. I know you have heard about the big tent vision being used by the GOP, I think, the, one of your parties. Big tent where anyone is welcome and to belong, including folks that can actually manufacture their resume and just imagine things that they are this and that and that without even having been there. So the big tent, what does that mean? I think it means being, having a global, global and local vision of where we want to go and hearing God's voice and then following it. So my question, my uh, concluding question, to conclude my rant, uh, 
and it's a holy rant, not just any sort of rant, it's, it's spirit-filled rant, um, which the Spirit then helps us, um, makes up for all the miscommunication on account of accents and stuff. Um, so what? Alafu, alafu is in Swahili. Uh, Swahili, you might give a long story and all that, then someone might say, alafu, so, then, or utadu, like, what are you going to do? Friends, how open have you been? In which areas um, do you feel, are you feeling invite, invited to be more open? In what aspect of your life do you feel like you've been a little been a bit um, not that bold? Because it takes discipline and boldness to step out, to be open, even to be of help to other people. And it's not always convenient. It can be openness, can be, it takes vulnerability. So how are you figuring that out? And which is your community? And in what ways are you being open to yourself, even realistic? To balance lament and love, because they go hand in hand. For me, it's always trying to figure out the balance between gratitude and grumbling. So grateful to be in the U.S. So grateful to be here. So grateful to be in Hawaii. Don't get it twisted. So grateful that I can relax by the ocean. So wonderfully grateful uh, um, um, to enjoy warmth when there's some, some storms in California and other places. Just so grateful to be around here. So grateful to be uh, working towards uh, uh, finishing up uh, my dissertation to have a PhD at the age of 52. So very grateful. That's the gratitude part, being open to gratitude. Well, the grumbling part, which is always a necessary component, they go hand in hand, that it sucks. The alienation, the being judged not on account of your merit, on how well you can write, but on account of where you come from, on account of being an African student, and African students need help with writing. That, that's, the, that's the expectation. So they just need help with writing. And so no matter how well you write, the suspicion, the, the stubborn, whatever the expectation is, that the mediocrity, the black continent, the, all that, and then for you to have to drag that because of the burden of blackness and the skin of the skin tone, which is actually sometimes is a curse and a blessing because of perceptions and the curse of race and ratio, whatever, mathematics and all that, so that it's not about what you can offer, but about where you come from. The gratitude, the grumbling. So being open, and so it's up to you to figure out when to be open to be grateful and when also to be open for grumbling and to lament, because both of them are healthy and they are needful. And that's where I end it. And I just, um, let's, uh, let's bow down and um, just reflect a little bit. What does the openness mean to you? Which aspects of your life are you being called upon to be more open? What would it take? Discipline, it takes discipline, discernment, diligence. Which of those do you need more? Depending on the task at hand.
Do you have communities? Or what sort of people do, we, do you need to connect with? Even here at church or family. Are you too open to being manipulated because you're not, you don't have grounding of self-awareness? And so you're just there, open to anything. In which ways might you need to be a little bit more restrained and to be more cautious or more open? Just pray briefly and say, in this area, in this aspect, in this new year, maybe it's, it's, uh, maybe it's, it's going for something, um, some academic certificate or something like that, or some professional training that you've always postponed, but, and you've not been open to it because of all these other reasons. Well, I'm here as a miracle, as a, a proof that you can leave your comfort zone and go miles upon miles away and enjoy God's favor in the midst of all the alienation and fears. So Lord, bless us, God bless us, and let your will be done. We wanna be open in the footsteps of Jesus to take a step and go to be baptized knowing that that such a step might be what we need to move to the next level, to embrace you towards accomplish, accomplishing all righteousness, not just part of righteousness. So bless this church, bless us all, and guide us, and uh, we are open to you, but also open in a discerning, responsible, fruitful manner. Help us and guide us and may your spirit walk with us every day. And bless this church and the leadership and, and everything that you're doing this year and beyond. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.